Hello and welcome to a new English edition of my podcast Helium Talk, das Kunstgespräch. My name is Jörg Heikhaus. I run the Helium Cowboy Gallery in Hamburg and I also may be known to some under my artist name Alex Diamond. Today you are listening to my conversation with artist Morten Andersen, which was actually just recorded a few days ago. Morten is an abstract painter from Aalborg, which is way up north in Denmark, almost at the top. A beautiful place, you should go sometime. I met Morten a few years ago at an opening of the Galerie Wolfsen and liked him a lot from day one. But it is really hard to meet him because he is a total studio red, working, working, working on his very distinct paintings, so we never find much time to hang out when I'm in Aalborg. Anyway, last week we connected by messenger when he hit me up to give me feedback for the recent English Helium talk with Tina Zeigler from Monica Art Fair. It's number 38. You should try and listen to that one. It's quite a good view on the art market today. Helium talk. Well, Morton liked that podcast and he also wrote that he had a show with Tina 10 years ago in Barcelona. But we also started chatting about the changes in the art game for artists and mid-level galleries and soon we were typing long texts back and forth. That's when I said, let's talk on the podcast. And man, Morton is amazing. When he talks about his work and how he approaches it and where he's rooted, that is simply fascinating to listen to. You should try and look at his work online to understand it even better. We also speak about the art world, the market changes, how young artists should look at galleries and their work. And it's all just opinions, of course, but pretty experienced ones because we are both in this game for a bit. Morton has a big show coming up in summer at the New Conscious Gallery in Denver, so I really appreciate him taking the time to chat with me. Alright, as usual, my final words in every intro, just a bit different this time. Please write to me at hello at heliumtalk.com, connect to the podcast at the website heliumtalk.com and follow me on the at heliumcowboy Instagram. Yep, I'm promoting only that one right now, because it's best to follow me there. I have to make some changes to my social media channels. It is just too much to post to Alex Diamond, Helium Cowboy, Helium Talk, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's just too much. So I will have to consolidate all this and post mostly on the Helium Cowboy Instagram from now on. It's all going to be there, don't worry. All the new podcasts, all the gallery news, my art, my tractor, my public life. Yeah, I need some time to let that sink in. Okay, in the meantime, I tell you... Please subscribe to this podcast on your preferred podcast app and leave a review on iTunes. Other podcasters tell me that the reviews and ratings on iTunes are super important and wouldn't it be nice to grow Helium Talk a bit more so I can professionalize this a little bit more. Well, but now let's get into this one. I hope you enjoy my talk with Danish artist Morten Andersen. Where are you now? You're at home? Yes, yes. I'm uh, sitting on the desk in my living room. Yeah, hard for you as a studio red, right? I mean... <laughs> no, it's okay. You know what? I actually try to spend less and less time on the computer. And as you can tell, that's why I'm not updated on most things because I like to, you know, when I'm in the studio, I just, I check my phone because I have to, if my girlfriend calls something with the kid, blah, blah, blah. But I try to stay in the studio and be in the studio, you know, not be on Facebook or Instagram or whatever all the time. So, you know, it's, it's, um, I think it's also kind of like a mood and mentality thing. You know, if I go to the studio, 
And as soon as I open the computer, because sometimes I do have to open the computer if I want to project an image or something like this, you know, that I need for the composition in the painting, then eventually an email will pop up and it just distracts you because you have to check it. Nine out of 10 times, it's some shit spam email from China or Finland that I'm going to delete anyway. But there's, there's sometimes stuff that you need to, to answer to like, like quite instantly. But it's about that mood, you know, it's about getting in the zone and, and, if I start the day by being on the computer too much, uh, looking into the emails or answering stuff on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, I get out of it. You know, my, my, my head starts to, it gets more messy. And I don't want the head to be, my head to be messed up from the start of the day because I will not find those new mm -hmm. compositions that I have to look for. And that's the thing with abstraction. You know, you're always looking for something new. I can't do what I did yesterday because that doesn't apply somehow. So, it's really about getting in there and, and try to leave most of these distractions, emails, people coming by, you know, the freight guy dropping off stuff, kind of leave it alone as long as you can. And then in the evening when I'm back home and, you know, we're chilling on the couch, my kid is sleeping, I can check the emails. And I think there's nothing that can't, okay. that can't handle that I'm not answering for half a day. So that's how I try to start most days. That's true. I think a lot of things don't have to be replied to uh, instantly. No. I, I, I make it a little bit reverse. I try to get all this shit out of the way in the morning yes. or so getting up quite early, yeah. trying to get it all done, uh, including all the posts and everything for the day. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, you know, sort of get into work. Yeah. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of, but I, but I understand what you mean because that I'm already in with my head, I'm already in too many different things, you know. Yeah. I'm already thinking about the the accountant that just wrote me that he needs the paperwork for yeah. next month, and you know, it's all there. And, yeah. But but you know, our work is completely different. So with my work, it's 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 okay. I'm 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 a I'm a catalyst for all this input. You have your to work. Yeah, you have yeah. to. But your work is different, right? Yeah, totally. And I and I found out the last I don't know five six years that you know I. I, I don't do so many things in my life. You know, I, I, I hang out with my girlfriend, of course, and my little kid, and I have a few select friends that I see once in a while. And then, you know, you have to spend seven, eight, nine hours every day in the studio to come up with something just once in a while, you know, because if I just go there two hours because I'm too busy, I have to go to the cafe later, or I have to go to an opening or blah, blah, blah. I'm not really being productive. I'm not going to find that new solution that will end the painting that I was struggling with yesterday, you know? So I have to spend a lot of time in the studio. And sometimes I'm just sitting in my, in my black leather couch and I'm just looking at the paintings and looking and looking and try to figure out. And if the phone rings, it totally kills that zone, you know? It totally kills that, that mood where you can grasp those new ideas that are coming from, yeah, somewhere in the universe, you know? And yeah. so I, I really have to do as less as possible. And I also try to tell... I share the studio with like five, six other guys and some of them are artists and I'm like, you have to get here super early, you know, use the morning as well as you can because the, the midday will be a different time for you and, and the afternoon will be another, it feels more busy in the afternoon. So you have to be here all the time and then it might be you just get one idea during the day, but you have to spend seven, eight hours to get that one idea. So it's really about not distracting yourself with with too much stuff of course i get caught up once in a while and i sit and chat with you or another artist friend or whatever you know but i try to leave it alone as long as i can in the studio and then spend the seven eight hours and really really try to go for it but are you working on 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 on, on one painting uh just only or are you working on on, on different 
works at the same time? I think now it's, I think I have like 11, 12 paintings, which are standing in the studio. And some of them are, you know, three meter 30 by two meters. Some of them are mm -hmm. 90 by 90. Most of them are, are quite huge. Um, so I always, it's again, you know, this state of mind, you know, you're, you're, you're in the series somehow and there, there might be some patterns that work and you look at one painting and you're like, ah, there's some issues with this painting. Then you look at the other painting and maybe there's some of the, the patterns from one painting that can solve the issues on the new painting, you know? So for me, it's always better to have minimum six, seven, eight paintings going at one time. And I think the big painting, which is in the studio right now, this I've been working on, I think two and a half years. And you think, shit, this is, this is a long time for a painting. But you know, at one time it was, it was all red and it had details going one way. And then at one point I just felt it's killing me. I, I, I can't open it up anymore and I can't finish it. So I just totally blackwashed the whole painting. Like, okay, there's a new start and now it's coming together and I will, and I will use it for the upcoming exhibition. But you know, this is a process that I've been spending, like I said, two years, maybe two and a half years. This was even in the old studio and that's how it mm -hmm. is. And sometimes that painting that I spent two and a half years on, that can inspire some of the brand new paintings that I just started maybe last month. So there's like this whole, how do you say, dialectic approach to it, you know, the, you know stuff from the, from the far right to the far left that, that can somehow inspire each other. And in the middle is, is some kind of tension that, that, that brings out the composition. Okay. So, so what is, well, I mean, just let's take this one as an example. Yeah. What, what is that, what is that work about? I mean, it's, it's been taking up a lot and a lot of things have also happened in your life while you were working on yeah, it. Yeah, that's totally right. You, know, you became a dad, for example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think, well, it's, it's, well, it's not hard to, to, to tell what an abstract painting is about because it's actually about nothing. You know, it's not, it's not telling a story like, like, for example, if you're working more figuratively, mm -hmm. It's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like music, you know, okay, music can tell a story as well, but then let's say instrumental music, you know, it's like, it, it more, it more tells, it more informs you about feelings and, and, and different mental places that I'd like to push you into. And it all, it all comes down to how you as an individual, as the viewer looks at the paintings, you know, I'm just the one putting them out there with, with certain patterns and compositions and stuff, but it's, It's how you as the viewer kind of kind of looks at them in the end, you know. So mm -hmm. my stuff is always is always been super detailed, and, and people can go, "Oh, they're they're quite wild and they're quite aggressive." And I'm like, "Well, maybe they're not so wild and aggressive. Maybe it's you as the viewer who who, who looks for the wild and aggressive. Maybe you're a little bit insecure at looking all, all this information at one time. But you know, this is not necessarily the painting. This could be anything else in the world that can scare you a little bit." And this is more about the viewer, right? So for me, it's about, you know, constructing this huge wall with details that's kind of like a puzzle. And for me, when it's end, when it's, when it's finished, it kind of has a flow to it. I, I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's, that's that song. And I look at another painting, I'm like, oh, that's that song that has more of these instruments, you know, kind of to make the comparison. So... It's about you start somewhere and you know, okay, it needs a bit more. And then some months later, I need some more blue. Ah, maybe it could take some green or some orange. And all of a sudden you go to the studio and it stops talking to you. You look at that big painting and it doesn't, it doesn't communicate anything. Then you know it's done. People always ask, how can you control it? And 
how can you how can you make sure those big paintings they're finished and i'm like it's not so super complicated because you have to let yourself relax in front of that painting that huge wall of information and just let it talk to you you know you can tell if the music is too loud you can tell if the bass line is too hard you can tell if the snare is too hard that's the same with a painting of course it works in a different way but if you let yourself somehow get into that pattern of thinking you can you can kind of control it you know like ah there is enough black there is enough shadow i have some 3d over here i have some orange here and it all comes it all comes down to this huge puzzle that just it's just sizzling in front of your eyes and you just feel good looking at it maybe the viewer doesn't always feel good but i feel good when i look at it because it's completed and i can't do more to it you know Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful description of your work actually um, <laughs> but then, but then, if if the if the but do you give uh, give your works titles? Yes, I mean, yes. And I always um, I figured out the last years I, I try to come up with some really I wouldn't say lyrical because it's not like a poem because it's just often two or three words. But I try to make a title which is not the most obvious uh, reference to the painting. So if it's let's say the big painting, which is three meter 30 on two meters it's it's a lot of black and it's a lot of it looks very astro like you're way out in the stellar atmosphere sorry universe somewhere so of course you could call it <laughs> big black giant from outer space but that's too obvious because i'm already telling you with the title i want you to think stellar i want you to think yeah. astro and out there so i might call it something that refers to the inner of yourself or it might refer to something i heard in a rap song or whatever of course it somehow has to make a connection but it it, it i'm not gonna call it call it something which is totally obvious because with an abstract painting i want you as the viewer to look within yourself and then come up with your explanation because i just i just present you the music but then you have to listen to it and and maybe someone they run away screaming maybe other people start to cry you know someone will hate it someone will say shit this is the most incredible piece i've ever seen or whatever so i'm always trying to push you in all directions at once so you feel the most lost because when you feel the most lost you have to really pull yourself together as the as the viewer of the painting to to kind of understand it you know because if i paint a character that holds up a peace sign and it says peace in the world okay what else can you think about nothing you can only think about what i just told you so with the abstract paintings i'm trying to tell you Everything at once that makes no clue and also absolutely nothing, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it makes sense. But but have you always been working abstract in this way? Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? I think it comes from, or well, I don't think it comes from, I know it comes from, I used to paint graffiti for yeah. 10 years when I was like a young guy. I think I started at 16 and then, like I said, 10 years ahead. Mm -hmm. And even my, my letter form, back then was was it was not abstract but it was different you know i was i would always do the different letters so people they would like what is that oh that's an e what is that oh that's an m is that an m yeah you look at this oh, okay and then you do this 10 years and you're like man this is so conforming you always have to somehow make it look like an m you know because i'm i'm still communicating within the, the 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 vocabulary somehow you know so if other graffiti writers and other people they can't read what it is then they don't know it's me who's the who's the composer of it so i started mm -hmm. to look at the pieces and i was like there is an energy and there is an expression and especially those you know you have these bars that are all bent up so it makes up a letter but 
-hmm. if you could have those bends and you can have that expression and not make it look like a letter, could you do something? I was like, man, what should I do? Because you can't paint graffiti because the hardcore heads, they will be like, ah, fuck you, man. Now you're trying to be a funny guy and be abstract and all that. And I was like, ah. And then all of a sudden I was like, maybe I should try to do a painting. And I was do a painting on the inside this is so fruity you know because you come from yeah. painting on the outside and not always painting legal stuff you know and then you think should i paint on the canvas on the inside with with brushes and stuff ah this is really fruity so i did it for a long time and i didn't tell anyone but but i was okay. working with these forms and i was coming up with this new energy that was similar to the graffiti letters energy but it was it was different you know it was more like these patterns and these flows and i was like this this is really working somehow and then i mm -hmm. found different tools you know further down the road you know i came up no i didn't come up with but i found the acrylic pens and you know you find stencils and you find taping and you find transparent uh sorry uh, transparent paints so you can do multiple layers at once you can see everything but it still comes out in the end as one composition And I tried to adopt all these things that I found found funny and 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 found this is cool to play with somehow. So, what was your graffiti name, or is that something you don't want to talk about because the police is still looking for you? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're not. I think they're not looking for me. But let's just. Uh, it had four letters. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah, but but then that is is that basically? I mean, your your initial education? Did you study uh, art or how, how did you? How did you? I mean, you're you're a full time artist. You're an established artist. You're showing with galleries yeah. and everything. How did how did it come to that? Well, um, like I said, when I was when I just started with the acrylic paintings, there was there was mm -hmm. uh, like an old gallery. I think it still runs in the city, but it's been open like 30 years or something like this. Maybe even 35. And I would always go to this gallery because there was another abstract guy in there, a French guy. Unfortunately, he died, I think, like eight, ten years ago, rest in peace. And I was a huge fan of his. And I even met him once. Okay. What's his name? Uh, his name was uh, Pascal Maggi, and the last name is M-A-G-I-S. And if you look at mm -hmm. it, I think you can, you can tell that I really found a lot of inspiration in this. And it was just – he had the – Of course, he didn't work with pens and of course, he didn't work with stencils because he was traditionally schooled and he didn't have any graffiti influence. Of course, he was an older guy. But you can tell that there was like this movement in his paintings that would, it was kind of like an opening, you know, for us new guys because he would do some strong lines, even though they were painted by hand, you know, it was still, still quite strong. And when you look at more traditional abstract, unless it was the, the you know, the... Uh, The Dutch guys, what's the name, you know, that, that do the really hard strings and stuff, Mondrian and these guys. Unless you look at those, you know, mainly abstraction was more, you know, like loose patterns done with a brush. And I respect it, but I hate that stuff. I, I was really like, there must be a new way to paint abstract, you know. And this guy, he really influenced me a lot. So coming to that gallery all the time, one time that the gallery guy, he said to me, man, you're always looking at the paintings in such a strange way. You're always looking on the sides and how it's hung and how they're stapled together. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm sorry. He said, no, no, don't be sorry. Are you an artist? I said, uh, I don't know if I call myself an artist, but I tried to paint a little bit. And he was like, I'd like to see what you do because the way that you look at the other paintings, there's something about you, he said. And I was like, man, this is strange. Okay. So I went home and I had just produced three paintings on canvas ever. 
And I brought them to the gallery and he said, I'll take it. Let's figure out a price. We put okay. them in a show. And I was like, are you really, really serious? And I was so scared about this because I was like, imagine all my graffiti friends. They come and they start laughing because this is so different. Then they, he put them in the show. And I think 14 days later, he had sold all three. Of course, at this time, you know, it's 15 years ago. They were nothing. You know, they were, I don't know, five, 600 euros for one painting. But I built the frame. Yeah. Still, I mean, yeah, it's a yeah. start, you know, it's a start. So that's how it started. And then he was like, bring me some more paintings. Of course, he could tell there was some good money in this stuff. Small money, but there was good yeah. money. But it was a start, you know. And then I've always been this kind of guy that I have a bit of a self-esteem. And I'm like, which I do think on the other side, you have to as an artist. You have to believe in your own product. And I was, you know, this was the time of 2005, six, and And MySpace was a thing. And we started... Before Facebook and everything, you know, we started to have like an account on MySpace and post paintings. We found these small codes so you could post the paintings on different artists, you know, from, again, America, Germany, France, everywhere. People that you knew or you looked up to. And I would just post these paintings everywhere. And all of a sudden, I just started to get emails from people. Ah, there was a show in London. Some small shit show, but hey, I was one of the first guys from my region to show, you know, internationally. And all this was in 2006, 2007. And I would go to Malmo, Sweden, and I would go to Washington, USA. And this was all, yeah, 2006, 2007. And I was like, this is funny because I'm trying to come up with this new abstraction that is a break away from the loose with done with a brush kind of old style, you know, and Mm -hmm. I didn't want to paint graffiti. And talking to all these people that I met, I also I, I started to figure out there's something going on. You know, someone started to call it urban art, and this was before the term street art, urban art, gra- graffiti. You know, I think yeah, I think they started. We started at that time to find a find a, a, a yeah, moniker for yeah. all these things, combining yeah. them, you know, into one word so that people understand. Yeah, exactly. What we're talking about. But for me, just you know, just you know, Albo, you've visited. You know, there, there, yeah. there's there's so few artists. So, you know, I I had maybe one friend to share it with, and we were like, mm-hmm. what the hell is this stuff? Because we we could look at it and be like, okay, we can't go to the high level contemporary galleries. I think they would laugh at us because we come with this graffiti inspired mm-hmm. stuff. And then, you know, from the internet, MySpace, and slowly going into Facebook, the, the, the terms and, like you say, the moniker came, came around, you know, post-graffiti, urban art, and all this stuff. And I was like, hey, man, maybe you're a part of something new, which is kind of global. It was, it was tough to, to, to trust in it yourself because you're maybe one out of two guys in your whole region doing this stuff. And I could tell when I went to other exhibitions you know i would be the only guy at 30 and everyone else was like 50 55 60 maybe even older doing natural naturalistic stuff and they were like what is this stuff you guys are doing and why are you spraying on the paintings well (laughs) this is what we come from and you know this is the this is the style that we're trying to pursue it's also a lot i got a lot to do i mean your paintings with uh, with the materials that are using that are uh, most of them are not really around for that long and you've been experimenting them and taking them out of their context. Yeah. I mean, when you go back to the beginnings of graffiti with car paint stolen from the car supply yeah. store and and not having any caps and just building your own caps yeah. uh, and things and then coming to now every you know small city uh, in the world, I think, has a shop that not only sells skateboards but also uh, can, uh, cans in every color and, yeah. and, 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 and markers and stuff like that. And you're... 
and you're actually using them on your canvases. So it's like, it's also about the, the, the materials that yeah. you can use that influence uh, or that you help bring out your technique yeah, better. Exactly. I remember I used to, I've lived in, in Berlin for five years and um, mm -hmm. I would always go to this one, uh, 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 like a graffiti shop, you know, with all the cans and the tips and, uh, and, the, and the hoodies and all this stuff. Yeah. And they would have, you know, you know, when I, you know, 20 years ago when I painted graffiti and, and, and it's crazy because it really is 20 years ago, yeah. you know, you would mix the cans yourself because we would have this one brand, which is called quick and it's from Norway. And when I started, they had nine colors, then they exploded all of a sudden and they made 15 colors. It was going crazy, but people, they had to mix them. So you mix them yourself. So mm -hmm. going, going fast forward, you know, 15, 20 years, I'm in Berlin, I'm standing in the shop and I'm looking at. Okay, here's probably 700 different can different cans. I was like, yeah. this is quite limiting. It's quite <laughs> limiting to have all these cans. You know, if I want a color gradient that goes from yellow until blue, there's 25 colors I can choose. Yeah. You know, I can do it blue tone. I can do it green tone. I can do it red tone. It's it's crazy. Uh, yeah. And I had and when yeah, and when we had um, when uh, when Helium Cowboy started in the first years, and we've been working uh, a bit more with. With artists that were yeah. still in, working in graffiti yeah. and on the streets, um, and from from international, we we got their um, we got their lists, you know, with the, yeah. with the spray paint we should organize, you know, and that was always like we went to a shop in Hamburg. It's called Under Pressure. It's probably yeah. the most well known shop in Hamburg that sells uh, spray paint and stuff like that. And we went with this with these shopping lists and uh, and there, but every artist had their own color palette. So it had to be that kind of blue or, yeah. you know, like an artist like Boris Hoppeck, for example, I think he has like eight colors that he works with. Yeah. And it has to be exactly these colors yeah. you know, from that brand yeah. because he doesn't want to, you know, sort of anything to jinx with his work, no. you know? And, no. and that's kind of interesting. I kind of like that a lot, you know, yeah. so that, that you can actually go as an artist and define Define the colors, you yeah. know, I mean, it's, it's good, but you I mean, when I was visiting your studio last, uh, I think it was the studio before the one you got now, yes. you had all this, you were super organized in regards to painting and, and colors, but you work <laughs> with, with a lot of colors, right? And different shadings. Uh, yeah. And actually, um, what I wanted to uh, point out uh, just before, um, one thing that, 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 that really helped to shape my, um, my, my painting style or what you can say. Is, is the transparent colors, you know, because you would, mm -hmm. you would go to that spray can, can store in Berlin or anywhere else and you would have these, like I said, 600, 700 different colors. And then in the corner, there would be all the transparent colors. And you're like, what is this stuff? And the guy behind the counter, he was like, ah, nobody buys these because they're not covering. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, maybe that's not the idea because they're transparent. He's like, yeah, we don't have so many. They had maybe eight or nine different colors or something like this. And, you know, this has always been a trigger for me to try to do something that, that not everyone else does. So mm -hmm. if everyone, they go to the store and they have their own little list and they say, okay, I need these 25, I can conduct a mural. I totally respect that, that way of going. Sure. It's just my nature and it's my artistic approach to try to uh, do it a little bit different. So I picked up some mm -hmm. of the transparent colors. And I remember I was doing a show at that time, it was 2010. And I had a solo show coming up in Paris and I had this one beautifully done, like almost white painting. And it had this huge uh, bar that was bending in the middle. And I picked up this one can, the transparent shadow black. And I thought to myself, 
do you have the nuts <laughs> to put a shadow under that bar in the middle of the painting, which is already done and looks beautiful? Do you have the balls to put a shadow under with spray paint? Everybody who paints with spray paint, they know as uh-huh. soon as you apply it, it's not coming off. And I, like I said, the painting was done. So I thought, fuck it. I'm not here to be what I did, what I did yesterday. I'm, I'm here to try to find out tomorrow. You know what I mean? So I put totally. the yeah I put this the shadow on I was like what the fuck this bar in the middle is just totally popping out and at this time I was like there's something new again you know because you try to go yeah. a different route you know of course a lot of people they try to go different routes but you if 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 you find something for yourself that is a little bit different to what you normally did or what you did yesterday then try to go for it you know and then mm-hmm. i picked up the rest of the transparent colors that they had in the store and I, I think i was the only one buying them so he had to buy more <laughs> and then i just came up with this layering technique okay i have something in the bottom and then can put something on top of it with the transparent sprays so i actually have two or three compositions going at once it looks it looked very crazy and very vivid in the start because i Probably I didn't control it that well, but you know, years go by and you start to do it more and more. And this is also like a topic, you know, to 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 define yourself to to look for certain materials that's that's new or fits you. I think one one important aspect from I mean, for me, from my perspective as an artist, is to stay curious and to yes. try, you know, and find new and different things. I mean, yeah. if you're a good artist, people will always recognize your work. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of because that comes from you yeah. as, as a person. and It's uh, like your fingerprint somehow. Yeah. But you should, you know, you should explore things. And uh, and sometimes you throw stuff away. I've been, you know, I've been working with um, with spray paint in, in, you know, sort of trying to involve that in, in part of my, my artwork a couple of years ago when I, when I actually... I got a little bored from from the cutting into wood, yeah. you know, sort of that that I just flatly painted. Yeah. So I thought maybe I build some structure and I mean some visual structure mm-hmm. with, with spray paint and spray cans and 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 I discovered something that um, when I have the layer of the the acrylic spray paint layers and layers on on the wooden on the wood on the wooden boards yeah. that are carved out. It's a fantastic material to carve. It's so soft. It's smooth. It's like it's like going to a very soft plastic, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was and it's, it it changed what I what I carved. Now the works that I'm doing right now, for example, where I have acrylic paint in the back and I carve into that. Yeah. That is more. You need more strength. It's more powerful. Yeah. It's more like ugh, yeah. You know. But those were just like they were so delicate to work with, yeah. you know, and uh, and uh, and that was kind of a phase. And I think when you don't uh, never try things out, you know, then then, then you will, will it will be hard to expand your horizon as an artist, yeah. you know. So you should go into you know different ventures. And I kind of really like the story how you came to <laughs> transparent paint because I understand in a graffiti store who wants transparent paint. It never covers. <laughs> yeah, it never covers. And so, but you're working you're working now for for a show that's coming up in Denver, right? Yes. Um, what, sorry. What's the gallery? Yeah. What's the gallery? It's um it's a new conscious which is in uh, which is in uh, in Denver. And um, the guys, uh, Kurt and Ryan, who runs the space, they had a prior space to that that they that they wanted to relocate from. So now they are in the process of they actually found the new space, which is looking beautiful. And now they just have to they have to make all the documents come through, and you know, zoning department guys and fire department have to check the space and all this stuff. And as soon as this is uh, coming through, I know in the States this can take a long time because they're quite strict. Yeah. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> it's more complicated. It, yeah, it's right. very complicated with these uh, DIY spaces. 
But yeah, I'm thinking we are trying to go for June. We actually planned on opening here in the middle of May. But then we, we texted some weeks ago and I said, let's push a little bit because, and, and actually the galleries guys, they were the same. They're like, you know, we wanted to make like a huge rocket that just blows off the ramp. We don't want to make something which is like, like half ass. So let's push it a little bit. And I'm, so you'd be opening this space. I'm actually opening the new space, which yeah, makes, nice. yeah, I, I'm, I'm super flattered to, to the, be the yeah. one doing this because, well, I'm one of the international guys that they work with and it could be. They could also choose a local guy, and it will probably have more effect. But I'm I'm super honored that they that they choose me for this. Okay. So how did you meet them? Well, I think you know social media. Um, yeah. I I actually remember the the Instagram name of the one of the guys, and I had always looked for that guy, you know, because I'm like, this guy likes the paintings all the time. Who the hell is mm -hmm. that guy? And mm -hmm. When you're an artist, you, you just don't write anyone and be like, hey, who are you? Because the chances that the, a big gallerist, he will reply that <laughs> kind of small. Yeah. So you don't want to be the one just texting everyone. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden he wrote me and he was like, hey, man, I have this one collector and he's really into your paintings and he wants to pick up a few. Would you like to make a show? And I was like, uh, win, win, win. Let's make a show. <laughs> so, yeah, we made a small group show and I think it was the summer of they have this annual summer group show where they introduce new stuff. And I think this was in 16 or 17. I can't remember when you're a dad, you forget stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so we made the group show and the one painting was sold. And then he was like the gallerist. He came back and he was, man, this, 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 this one collector guy, he's really into it. He wants to pick up some more paintings. And he says, what are you working on? And I showed him some stuff and it was like just started or, not even barely half finished, you know. It was all these paintings just started. He was like, well, I think he's going to pick up a lot of them. I was like, who is this guy? And then I figured out this guy, he picks up a lot of stuff and he has a mm -hmm. good, 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 good fun for, for, for spending money. So we made another show, which was November 2017. And it was me and this one guy, C.T. Nelson, mm -hmm. which is kind of funny because he has Danish ancestors. So we called the show... Uh, two of a kind because even though he's american he's mm -hmm. he kind of has a few drops of uh, of a danish uh, viking in him so we we made this show title concerned around this and this was a uh, yeah i'm danish so we don't we don't brag too much but it was a quite good success let's put it mm -hmm. wildly and then we've just been 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 working like this because it seems like the, the the americans and the guys from denver they like the stuff and they show up for the for the openings and they pick up the paintings and I can tell my, my following on, on social media has also gained uh, some percent from the, from the Colorado region. So that's a good thing. And these guys are super cool and we always have very good communications because I'm, I try to be very transparent, which also mm -hmm. allows me to be a little bit tough. <laughs> so, so I, I don't want to be, you know, just like, yeah, yeah, everything's cool. And then three months later, all the paintings are gone and you can't get them back. So I, I try to really talk with my guys that I work with. And I, I think they kind of appreciate it because what we've done so far has really, has really come out great. So, but yeah, yeah, they found me through Instagram. That's how it is. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, it's probably pretty interesting traveling to Denver for a show, you know? Yeah. And your works, you just said you have these huge works. I mean, shipping is probably uh, a big part of the of the whole cost of the exhibition. I yeah, guess. yeah, it is. 
Yeah, and so they never want to send them back. You know, they have to sell them. It's basically my. It's basically my what I'm thinking about when I have large artwork, heavy artwork. Yeah, I kind of need to keep it as long as I sell it. Yeah, sending back. But we're sending back for back and forth art. That's actually a huge chunk of, you know, the cost of doing it business. It is. It is. Yeah. I always try to. If I'm doing a group show and let's say it's one, two, three paintings, okay, then I'm just going to mm -hmm. freight them off and I try to make some really cool, not contracts, but like really cool um, uh, like deals with the guys, the galleries, and okay, mm -hmm. who should do this and who should do that and pay for this and that and for how many months do you keep the paintings and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But when it's a bigger show, let's say it's th this show uh, I did with uh, the New Conscious uh, two years ago, it was like a let's call it a twin solo show, something like this. And it was 10 pieces. And, and I think the biggest one was two meter 40 on the height. So quite big. When I send so many paintings, I try to have the galleries sell some of the paintings before we do an opening. I know this can be quite troubling, but you know, if I spent, for example, right now, I spent a year and a half on the 12 new paintings. If I'm sending them somewhere and they don't sell anything, That means that I've been painting for 20 years and I did a show that I spent a year and a half on producing and I make no money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> This can't happen. This can happen when you've just started. You know, you have to get out there and you have to elbow your way through and all this stuff. And you lose a painting once in a while when, when you are starting, right? But as you get older and you're more settled and you know i have bills you know i have a kid and a sure. wife and not a wife a girlfriend and we have you know everything that you have as a grown-up couple I, i i can't spend a year and a half on producing something that doesn't sell mm. so of course that's what i mean with the good communication with the galleries you know every time i have a peach with a piece which is starting to look juicy and looks cool i'm sending it off to the guys and i'm like get to work and i know they send it out to their to their collector base and last time we talked it, it started to come together and one of the guys he was like yeah yeah i got one guy he wants a few and another guy he wants one so i think we are we're getting close to to making it a, a cool opening already because yeah 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 But I think it's that's. Uh, I mean, if you're um, if you're running a gallery for a few years and you have you have good client contacts, um, you it should you be possible. Know, yeah, you, yeah, you actually know who could be interested in these works yeah. and the and the and the sales and the promotion to especially these guys who are also big supporters of your gallery and the artists that you're working with yeah. because they've been buying art for many many years. Yeah. You can cut deals with them. Of you course. can talk with them. You, you know that starts a couple of months earlier. So that is that for me is a little bit the problem with uh, with the many many group shows that are that are happening these days yeah. um that you have 100 new artists and group shows and yeah everybody's trying something out it's more or less like throwing a lot of things at at the wall and looking what sticks exactly. and the rest is going to be sent back yeah. so for for solo artists i think it's very important yeah. that artists really consider yeah you know how can i how can i move this how can i push this and okay sales is not always guaranteed no matter what kind of artist it is no, you no. know and we, we've seen times you know when i had worked with artists in the beginning of helium cowboy that we that, that we made bigger that we turned into people that have a market yeah but when the markets fell apart 2008 2009 some of these artists were not you know people were not interested in them anymore yeah. and they were not going to 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 buy from them anymore and that that no matter how established they they were or are at that point yeah so like the markets can always change of course but if you're but you know but if you also yeah. if you have a good relationship with your gallery yeah. i mean you know <clears throat> we've been we've been we have, basically this podcast came together because we both uh 
you wrote me that you like what uh, Tina Ziegler was saying at the in the in the from Monica Arthur yeah. and the recent podcasts and and that where we were talking about you know sort of a, a new art market things yeah. that are changing completely right now and um as i said the new art world yeah um and then we said we got went on and on, on on facebook messenger and i said well let's just you know take this and a personal discussion yeah. because it makes much more sense than writing all this stuff yeah. that keeps the two of us away from the, from the world that we should actually <laughs> but, you, but you've been describing you know at some point that uh that uh, uh, uh here, i, I want to quote you now uh galleries have to listen to the artist's long-term dreams yeah you know yeah that's one thing but that is for me the that is actually how galleries were before the markets crumbled and before uh, uh instagram and facebook uh blew up the you know like this this huge overwhelming oversaturation of everything of a visual Uh, a landscape that you can't escape from anymore yeah. and, and galleries now they tend to try out a lot more and do not actually always listen to what the artist wants yeah. uh, vice versa the artist doesn't listen to you know what the gallery thinks yeah. but I, i see a lot of younger galleries that really don't sit with their artists and uh and think about you know, and discuss you know where do you want to go because there's artists all artists are different some artists want to be big they want to sell the work they want to they want to be in museums other artists just want you to show their work and not even necessarily take part yeah. and you kind of have to really listen to that yeah. you know and uh, and i think right now i mean i'm i'm totally reducing helium cowboy these past years anyway because you know because of the market changes but yeah. and because i can't i can't I can't offer artists or not too many artists this, you know, I could work with 500 artists too. I mean, I have a good reputation. Yeah. I can call up many, many people and say, come to my show and come to the gallery, but I can't promise them to even talk to them <laughs> enough. <you know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's like communication is a very, very important, uh, it, important it, thing. Yes. Communication is one thing, but it's also one thing that I would hate as a, as a, as an artist and, and something that I start to look a lot for is with when, Uh, I, I especially see this with a lot of American galleries. I'm not going to name any names because there's no need because all these guys I've met and they're super nice guys. But some galleries, they built an army of artists. So you yeah. think, okay, I'm the one guy that they have from Denmark. Very nice. Sure. But they have 400 other artists. So when you write them an email, one week goes by, you don't get an answer. And we kind of have, I, I, could, I could imagine you German guys, you have the same If I write you an email, you're going to be on point and you're going to answer within maximum 48 hours on some kind of small reply or the long reply or a small reply that says that you're going to come back. If you are trying to be one artist from some exotic Scandinavian country that, that's just one out of three, four hundred in a big American gallery, you're not going to get that attention. And then I'm starting to think, you know what, I'm not going to send you the paintings. Because that painting is going to stand in some warehouse somewhere and it's going to pick up a lot of dust and it's going to pick up a lot of dirty hands from people who move it, probably some, some scratches as well. And then a year goes by and then I have to get it back and then I can't put it in the new roster of paintings because I already moved uh, style-wise as an artist, you know. Yeah, so yeah I think... Um, standards, I think standards. That's really, really the thing. Also for the galleries that they show, we like to work with these guys. Okay, it could be mainly abstract. It could be mainly... Okay, we only work with Chinese guys. It could be that we only work with this and that, you know. But if you have to cover everything, it's like mm -hmm. when you go into a restaurant, they both have Italian, Chinese, and they have Danish and German food. Do you think it's any good? <laughs> it's probably not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. It's probably not. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a good comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I always use so many compares comparisons. Yeah. yeah. But that's good. I mean, yeah. Um, but you know, so I mean, when you're a, a, an artist and you're you're being invited by a gallery, yeah. there's these days there's a lot you can check out before. You know, there is. you can also talk to other artists that are in the show that you might know or that you might respect. Yeah. Uh, you can also take a look at how do they do their social media. What what is what is their message yeah. and do I, and first thing you should always ask yourself: Do I fit in there? And what could be the motivation? Yeah. For me to be in the show when I'm when I'm writing to or contacting new artists, I'm always trying to explain them. Not I always try. I always explain them why yeah. why I want to connect to you. That's good. And why I think this could work because if I if I put work in here, it doesn't matter. I mean, the thing is with I mean with our markets, you know, I mean you're in a small market in Albor, I'm in a small market in Hamburg. The cities might be different, but we're not Los Angeles. No, no. You know, so there's no Hollywood stars coming around. There's no buzz you can get from celebrities. People are not interested in celebrities buying. Celebrities are not interested in showing off their work, except for maybe a few ones. And I don't think we have the kind of celebrities in Germany who could push an artist, no. you know, sort of that much. And um, maybe one or two. But but so we're in, in a small market and I could, I you know, sort of, I could have done shows with very, very famous and big artists, bring them to Hamburg. But it... I would not have had clients here, no. you know, yeah. for them, not at all. So you kind of have to look what will work here, you know, do I have a market for this artist? And okay, we're talking a lot about the figures, but you just said we're in, we're in a time, you know, sort of in a stretch of our life yeah. where the cost of living kind of has to match with, uh, with the cost of doing the business. Of course, I mean, yeah. we're putting so much work in it. I mean, just right now I have a, I have a, I have a large group show. It's the only show I've been, I've uh, been doing so far this year, uh, with, I think 15 artists. There's a lot of work involved. I, um, I, uh, my assistant, uh, Melvin is, yeah. <laughs> is traveling yeah. Nepal and stuff like that. And he's usually responsible here for the hanging and stuff like that. So last week, uh, setting up the show was a monster yeah. job, you know, getting up at four in the morning and coming home at 12, <laughs> you know, you know, and, and then you have the opening and it's actually nobody sees it. Yeah. Uh, everybody sees the great show, but nobody's no, sees it. Yeah, that's the wrong term, but nobody's paying you for the job you're doing. Exactly. You have to sell so much work, yeah. you know, sort of. And, and uh, so that, you know, sort of selling is, is a vital part of being an artist and of, of running a gallery. And if you're an artist or not interested in sales and says, well, it's just about what I feel, then you have you rightfully so, but you probably have to look for a completely different kind of galleries again. Yeah, you know, it, so. it could also be it could also be that maybe you should have more you know um, uh, stuff that you could sell from. You know, maybe you have a line of prints. Uh, for example, I was uh, super lucky uh, to do this uh, snowboard design. I got yeah. I got called up or written up from some guys from Seattle. It's this uh, GNU uh, snowboard, and I have. Yeah no idea about snowboarding because I, it simply doesn't interest me. Now it interests me all the time because I see they post my photo all the time. So now I'm super into it, right? Yeah, but they're looking good too. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. And we are we're already building the, the next one as of now. But, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to spread out a little bit. You, you, of course, you have to, you know, stick to your style and you shouldn't compromise too much. But think about, okay, if someone writes you, we want to do a snowboard, like a limited run uh, with an artist design, would you be interested? Think about, could this be a cool thing? Could this be cool yeah. to have, I don't know how many hundreds of, of, of young kids and even some of the pro writers to, to, to ride your board all around the world? I was like, this is a fucking cool idea. Thanks for writing me. And again, this is, this is social media, right? So this is something 
that I'm doing for me just as a fun little side project. Uh, like I said, now we are we are already working on the next design that will come out for the next uh, winter season next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know from the guys that you know some of the some of the guys who write for that GNU snowboard team, they are some mm-hmm. of the biggest in the world when it comes to the women and and and, and also th- uh, the guys uh, running. You know, they are huge, like half a million people following them on Instagram. I'm like. I need this girl to ride my snowboard because that's a huge exposure that I could never do by myself on Instagram. So sometimes, of course, I do I do the group shows and I like the solo shows because you can really get intense with the work and show a lot and all the facets and stuff. But to have side projects, you know, like I also produce prints. I never thought I would do prints because I'm more into the originals, but I can't always sell a 10,000 euro painting, you know. Sometimes I have to sell a... I don't know, 350 euro print just to, to make the week go by. And this is cool because you're also catering to some, to some younger people who, like I said, they can't afford the, the, the eight, 10,000, maybe even more uh, euro painting. So they, they start by picking up a few prints and, you know, maybe 10 years come by and, or go by and they, they come to the studio or to a gallery show and pick up an original. So yeah. if you, I'd like to, I'd like to, to, to go big, you know, I like to see, my paintings go as big as it possibly can. And I'm doing everything that I can about it. But until then, you know, I have to have, you know, more stuff in my store. I can't just only sell Coca-Cola. I have to have different varieties because not everyone enjoys that flavor, you know? So having a print, producing a snowboard, uh, somebody asked me recently, could you do this cover for this magazine? I was like, yeah, let's talk about it, you know? So you have to set your standards for those things. Yeah, totally. It's important who you work with, how they treat you. Yes. You know, sort of don't don't ever do unpaid jobs in that regard no. because that's also you know sort of like if it's a brand, they always have money for this. Yeah. Um, and you know, sort of, I'm working with a few brands too. Some of them are not that known, but I really like working with them or in a field that um, in an yeah. area that that have nothing to do with us. I'm working, for example, for a company called called Giberit, and they're doing insanely great designs for bathrooms and toilets and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's it, I've been working with them for some years now, and it's so beautiful to work with them because they respect me fully. I have more or less total control. Yeah, I have total control, absolute control about what I'm doing, which is also important. The pay is nice and, you know, sort of, I just like these guys, yeah. you know, I work and you always, you have to find your standards for, um, for how you do this. I mean, there's no skateboard company that cannot pay a fee to an artist. It doesn't have to be much, but, you know, take, make sure you, you know, sort of you're getting paid. Yeah. Um, and of course, some of the jobs, uh, there's always the promotional job, but that would be, for example, that pro woman writer who has a million followers on Instagram and says, I love your design, yeah. you know, sort of, can you make a board for me? Yeah. Well, she would be able to pay too, but I mean, still, <laughs> you know, so this could be something where you say, ah, yeah, okay, I'll do that. But you know, sort of don't prostitute yourself. No, never, never. But you know, it's always like a balance because for example, I can tell you right now, I don't, I don't mind being all transparent at the moment. My bank account is the lowest it's been in a long time. And people, they always say, man, you, have, you, you must be so rich. Your, your paintings, they're so expensive. And I'm like, come on, be serious. Do you have any idea what it costs to produce this stuff, to pay for the studio, to pay for the freight, and just pay for your family life and have a bit of fun? I think we, we get, hopefully, we get a little bit rich once we are really old. <laughs> it's not now. But, but you know what? I don't care about that. If I have... 500 euros on the account or if i have i don't know 100,000 it that's not the thing the thing is yeah. to be in the studio working with the ideas to come up with a new way to trick the composition so it's even more cool than it was yesterday 
of course it has to work because like we said just earlier you know we are grown up and you have even older kids uh, grown up kids i have just a little baby but still it's yeah. very expensive you know they always be babies our babies <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> but you know luckily my, my my girlfriend she has a she's a lawyer like a business lawyer so she yeah. she doesn't make insane amount of money but she makes okay so yeah. let's say i have a few months for example as of right now where i'm not totally able to pay the biggest bill she fits for me you know oh sorry yeah. she, she, she cashes in for me so so you know this is the another part of it right and if you even yeah. if you even had a cool gallerist and this this mm -hmm. is really coming from the heart if you had a cool gallerist he would say you know what i'm just gonna pick up those two paintings and pay half the price then i can i can sell them on myself because i know they're good paintings and then you get mm -hmm. the you get some in, in, in advance money you know to keep yeah, producing the point is that you know, so there's, I mean, there's definitely gallerists who can do that. Of course. But, and, and we could do that. Helium Cowboy was able to do those things in the times when we went to Miami, when people, you know, basically financed our whole year went by going to the New York art fairs yeah. and to the Miami art fairs, you know, sort of. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty, pretty good that you kind of, you know, sort of, you had a, you had a, had a market that was working the market's not working anymore and and the thing is what you just said the perception that people have i mean helium cowboy where it's our 17th year now yeah. and i'm always saying we 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 but now these days helium cowboy is basically just me yeah <laughs> it's only me you know and i'm i'm you know sort of i'm always also trying to make a living and struggling with 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 everything we do materials are expensive Ex every exhibition that i'm doing is is a, is a is a risk you know yeah. financially everything you do and you try to yeah. you know sort of running a, a place like this and <clears throat> and uh, the, the the problem is for especially galleries just you know like mine or so a lot of them have actually well they caved they said why the fuck should i do this you know much longer i'm i'm closing you yeah. know i'm trying to do something else and look at Jonathan Levine who I'm talking with I mean Jonathan you know so is one of the biggest galleries still in the whole market he was he's just posted uh this week he posted um uh an excerpt from a from a torn out from a newspaper from the from the late 90s in New York from the CBGB where he, he curated an exhibition with the then pretty unknown artist Shepard Ferry <laughs> you know so, so he was there when it all started. He's a, has a major part, but you know, sort of, he doesn't even have a space anymore. No, and that is on some level, it's 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 frustrating. It's just the way it goes. And and for me personally, I'm you know, sort of, I'm trying to look how I can make this work. Still push a few artists, still help a few artists, yeah. but also you know, sort of, have enough time to do my own and and work with that. And people always look at from the outside on Helium Cowboy and what I'm doing under the name of Alex Diamond. There's a totally different opinion. Some people think, well, he must be super rich, and now my art pays for that he can work as an artist, yeah. which is totally not true. Yeah. For I think for no, the no. last five six years, Alex Diamond has been paying for everything that's happening yeah. here because it kind of works okay. And I always put that in the background, but my my happiness comes from coming to this place every morning yeah. or going to my studio in the countryside and doing what I want to do and what I decide to do. So I can decide to not do a podcast and instead paint. And I can decide to do a show or not do a show. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of, I, but I work more than probably most other people just in hours alone, yeah. you know, just to make that happen. So it's, there's always a steep price for that. And sometimes I think, it would be nice, you know, sort of if this, this gallery would be running, that was the initial plan to get the gallery running and then retreat more and more and more. And yeah. have, I had this, sometimes I had seven people working here. Yeah. And then just, you know, just be, you know, sort of just be present, but, <laughs> but mostly be in the studio. But that's just, it's just not happening anymore. I think, I think as we get older and, and yeah. as we have higher expenses and all this stuff, 
we tend somehow to corner ourselves, you know, mm. and, and sometimes I have to think, you know, I look at my stuff and I'm like, man, you need to take a break. You're using the same ideas as you did yesterday. This is not your, this is not your trademark. My trademark has always luckily been, and I'm so happy that people, they say this because, or say this to me or write me because I'm really trying to go for this is that shit, man, every time there's a new series, it's different. You can tell it's you, but it's different. I'm like, man, okay, you don't have to buy it. Just tell me that. Keep on telling me that if I can somehow provide that. But also, like I said, sometimes I tend to corner myself. And I can imagine as a gallerist with the way more expenses than I even have as an artist, you know, galleries are, are, are much more expensive to run. Sometimes I think people, they corner themselves too much. And then what can you do? You can be more risky or you can take a little bit of a break, you know? I also when yeah. when I lived in Berlin there was there was there was a few years in a row I think I had 8 10 12 group shows in one year and I was thinking yeah, yeah man we were everywhere in Europe all the time and when I look at the paintings ah well they, yeah, I know, I know. they were maybe not so good but I needed to do that to somehow establish and then sometimes you're super busy you know you're pushing out work all the time be it prints snowboards be it a solo whatever and then sometimes okay it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, destroy anything by taking a little bit of a break. And for the last, I would say, one year and a half, we also, like you, you mentioned, we had the kid, and everyone who has kids knows that you have to work a little bit less because you're probably not going to sleep that much, even though she's very, very. Also, you have a different, you have a different primary objective in your life because that's the most important thing that will happen to you. Yeah, you know? exactly. And uh, and you may not actually be aware of that when your kid is small, but yeah. I mean. The older they get, the 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 more involved you, you kind of want to be. Of course, and, you know. So, and that is that is uh, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, but but, but 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 yeah, totally, I I agree with you. But I, I I do I do if if I have to make this art thing work until let's let's say I get to be 80, 85 until I drop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I have to make this work all the time, I have to keep up. I, ha I have to keep up uh, with, with, with being risky. I have to be dairy. I have mm -hmm. to yeah. really, really push this stuff. And sometimes I could be like, okay, the last painting you sold, man, it was 160,000 Danish kroner. You know, it's, it's, it's a quite good price for a young artist. Mm -hmm. How can I top that? And I always try to, you know, like, like totally clean my, my, uh, my head and be like, just go with your stomach. Just try mm -hmm. something. Just freestyle something. Just... Use the same routine that you've used for the last 25 years, be it painting graffiti or be it painting abstract, you know, because it worked for the last 25 years. If you keep going by these standards and, and this, this starting point, I'm not, it, no one can convince me it'll stop tomorrow. You know, if you always try to come up with a new idea, could be that people, they're like, ah, oh, we like the old style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> That's because they're the ones looking at it. They're not the one producing it. So they always like what you did because that that proved itself to be to be successful, you know? So, yeah, no. yeah. The, the, the people are not, I mean, it's, there's also like the, the level of uh, risk-taking people are willing to do these days have, of course, dropped, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons probably for the many group shows because can, you can try things out. I'm... I'm being invited over the year to so many group shows and the last years I've started to decline most of them, yeah. you know, so friendly, not because I don't like the galleries. So I don't think often, sometimes I think my work doesn't fit in there. Uh, sometimes I think it's just too much. Um, sometimes I think they invite me for the wrong reasons, yeah. but you know, sort of the, the, the getting solo exhibitions. Yeah. 
it's, it's gotten so rare. It's so hard, hard. I mean, you would think, I know all these gallerists, a lot of them personally, uh, that it would be super easy for me to get solo <laughs> exhibitions, but it's so hard because they didn't, you know, so, you know, at one point my work is too heavy and complex to ship, you know, like the sculptures and people like frames yeah. and squares and stuff like that. Yeah. Then the next thing it's, you know, sort of maybe it's, um, I don't know, too experimental. So uh, there was a time when people would have said, and I, as a gallerist too, you know, I would have said, wow, this is, this is, this is really tempting. I like this stuff. Yeah. Go into the artist, check the artist studio, whatever, talk to the man or the woman and say, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. The first show does not have to be a success. The next one in two years, we're going to start making money. And in four years, yeah. people will be lining up to see the show. Yeah. That's just like how it goes long time. Yeah. And I think now everything has to be immediate. That's why you, you know, so like social media, you put a painting up, you know, uh, or picture up and five, five minutes later you check, Oh, how many people liked yeah. it? How many people liked yeah. it? You know, and now we talked about this selling over the internet, you know, artists promoting themselves and selling, uh, and being able to sell, does it, does it also make sometimes difficult for gallerists to get work, new work yeah. from artists they've been working yeah. with for a long time. So the market is completely changing right now. Nobody really knows. But you know what? If if more is going, yeah, you know, for example, with the Denver guys, you know, they they they're really I wouldn't call them good friends, but you know, they're really really good colleagues, and we are totally on the same level. When I met them the first time, I was like, I would like I would like to kind of lay it out how how I would like to be worked together with. For example, this thing, okay, like I said in Denmark, if I write you an email, you have to reply. Don't don't give me this weak shit where you where you might reply in a week or two. I can't work with you. If I said please call, then write back when you're gonna call. So we had this long discussion and we kind of set the standards. Okay, they would like this and I would like that. That you know if that if that if that bond between a gallery and and, and an artist, if that is kind of cool from the start and you trust these guys you know they're not going to fuck with you in the end. Hopefully not. And and they also know this not, this guy, he's not going to sell half the show by himself. He's going to keep the paintings. He's going to go down in his bank account and have to rely on his girlfriend because he wants the new body of 10, 12 paintings to come to our exhibition and we can help with the sales and stuff. And, you know, it's about making those connections. And like you said yourself, you, you get a lot of invitations and Group shows, and I even had guys just write me out of France. Ah, oh, we are going to scope. We need your paintings. I was like, yeah. this is not working like this. <laughs> you can buy them, then you can show them. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's it's also a question with me. It's a matter of you know, sort of like um, I'm I, I I see the value in my work, and I want people to um, to at least have a chance to look at it and get the idea and the stories and find their own story yeah. in them. That means they are being shown in a context that makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's what I expect from galleries that want to show my work or want to take it to art fairs. But of course, that is that would be the ideal solution. I also work with galleries that I just like to work with yeah. who I know, you know, sort of that they're just throwing my work up on a wall. Yeah. You know, and seeing what's happening, they have 50 other artists, uh, like you just said, you know, like it's, it's a huge roster of artists they sometimes have. Yeah. And it's, you know, so it's probably going to be hard. Yeah. But a good example, for example, for an exhibition, I've, you know, Jonathan and I have, we have been friends for many, many years. You yeah. know, we've known each other, we respected each other, and that friendship came out of it. And, um, and when he moved to New Jersey, um, and we always talked about my art and it wasn't necessarily light right at the point when we met. Uh, and he's, you know, sort of, he's, he's seen something in my work over the past years that has developed into something super unique and nobody does it. So he said, well, for my opening show of the new New Jersey space, I would love to have a piece of yours. Ah. So I made Jonathan a very big, a very heavy, <laughs> a beautiful 
artwork yeah. that is just basically showing what I was capable of at that amount of time. Yeah. And it was beautiful to produce it. It was heavy as shit. It cost me a lot to ship it over. <laughs> it was sold before the opening, which was nice. But main, my main point was, no matter how much time I spent, I'm in the fucking Jonathan Ryan gallery, <laughs> next to artists like Ron English yeah. and huge people, yeah. huge names. You know, I was part of that. And I've been seen, I've been visible. And that is an exhibition where as an artist, you can actually just, you know, sort of go a long way. For yeah. It. But, you, you know, sometimes, some, it not always happens that way. No, <laughs> no, no. But that's, a, that's another thing where you have to somehow know your personal standards, you know, because sometimes... You definitely know you are one of the, let's call it top guys in a group show. That that somehow helps to carry the group show. Okay, mm -hmm. sometimes you give a little. Then other mm -hmm. times, you know, for example, I think it was 2016. I was invited by these uh, this American gallery, and they only do uh, abstract. You know, all the the big guys from from America, and they asked me, and they said, "Would you like to make a piece?" And we're gonna we're gonna buy. I think they bought the biggest. A booth at Scope Miami, and I was like, "Are you fucking crazy?" And they said, "Okay, can you have it by us in three weeks?" <laughs> and I was like, three weeks, man. Normally, it takes three, four months to produce a painting." Then the guy who was just like, "Hey, man, just get to it. I know you can do it." And sometimes, seriously, man, I was the not the youngest, but I was the the smallest cat of all these guys because they are super huge, they're super expensive and super famous. But I was so fucking happy to be the little guy on the big team. So mm -hmm. sometimes you get a little and sometimes you give a little. And without prostituting yourself too much, this is a cool thing. You know, I have a – there's a lot of young young artists here in the city and they call me all the time. And I always pick up the phone and I'm like, okay, what should I help you with today? Uh, how do you freight stuff? Okay, call this guy. Re say hello from Morton. Okay, how do you buy a frame and how do you put it together? Okay, come to the studio. I'll show you. Sometimes you give and sometimes you take. And this – I think there is a there is a nice harmonic balance in this, you know, because, for example, like that scope thing and and other opportunities I've had the last seven eight years, you know, I was really, why the fuck have they chosen me? I'm hanging next to Damien Hurst, for example, you know, mm -hmm. and I was like, whoa, that was an experience I had one time in Istanbul, Turkey, and I was like, why why do they pick me? Because it makes no sense, but in mm -hmm. somehow it made sense, you know. And you give your best and you, and you do all you can work nonstop uh, 24 hours a day to make that thing happen, you know, so you're getting some. And then other times, you know, when the small kids, they call you or uh, a low level gallery says, hey, man, can we have a painting in the show? It, it would mean a lot. I'm like, of course, you know, maybe I make them pay for the freight and stuff, but it, it has yeah. to make sense somehow. And I think there's a there's a nice balance to this and and. If, if, if people, they communicate, we, we can always work this stuff out because if you come up with cool and original ideas, like you said, with that painting you produced for Jonathan, there's always going to be someone who wants it, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, and you can't, you can't basically direct that. And I'm always, I'm always super honored if people ask me at all to, you know, sort of to show with them, yeah. you know, because it's, you know, it's always a nice, uh, uh, respect for your work. Yeah, um, it is, you know, and, uh, and I don't have actually invitations that were for the wrong reasons just to have my name in there or you know sometimes the, the, there's, a, there's a reason why galleries you know sort of or some people like to work with me is because i'm in this double role and i also have a gallery yeah. and you know so that might also help and i'm really really uh pushing pr and, and communication yeah. a lot for these things but um i think that's for most people that is just a bonus they're not counting on yeah you know, it's just just there yeah. but yeah i mean it's um i think you can't 
I mean, this most of the works that I'm 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 doing, I don't think about a market or where to show it in the end. No. Um, and uh, and some and then I'm sometimes really surprised when it's being picked up, not because I think oh nobody should buy this, but just because wow this is heavy, this is big, this is complex. Yeah. Like like the work for Jonathan, you know. So I was. I was prepared that they would have to ship it back at some point when I said, I don't mind getting it back too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have, I, I have a good client base that is actually interested in those works too. But I mean, um, but still, you know, even if I don't sell it, it's a, it's a beautiful piece and you have to approach it that way. Yeah. You know, if you go to work on a canvas, you should not think about for who this might be. No, no, never, um, you know. never. But, you know, but we had also, you know, just, uh, this, this, uh, interesting, uh, discussion about, uh, artists self-promoting yeah. um, themselves now and and one thing that i've that i've seen recently for or for some time now is that <clears throat> most artist profiles are uh proprietary they just show their own work their own stuff yeah. because it's kind of what an artist has learned this is my portfolio yeah. and i think that defies a little bit the idea of social media and the whole networking uh networking thing yeah. when you're never actually reaching out and showing other artists that you like yeah. or that you work with or that you're in an exhibition. I mean, so many people in the group sh shows that I'm in or that I'm doing, they just really just show the one work of theirs in that exhibition, yeah. in the timeline. Yeah. And and I think that is something that is currently something because everybody's trying to get um, a piece of the pie because some people say, oh, I've been selling through Instagram, but it's a minority that actually in the end, yeah, you know, is. sells through this. Yeah, it is. Um, I think a lot of people expect that. I think it came up with a few celebrity purchases through Instagram, yeah. you know, like the Leonardo DiCaprio buying from Gallery Polza. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> but that's that's just one one story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I think you're totally right because there, there, there's a lot of you know, let, let's let's call it uh, the colleagues, you know, the art colleagues that you have. Maybe you know some of them. Maybe you've met them. Said hello. Like just like you said, you know, the, the, it's it's totally dead when you go to their profile because it's only their own stuff. You know, it's only their own painting. Me, 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 me. And I'm like, well, and I I must say I got I got I got kind of sick of Instagram. The last I still post a lot because I love to look at at, at you know cool photos that you edit from the studio and you're working on something. Blah blah blah. This is fun to play with, but. You know, there's the algorithms and all this stuff that Instagram are changing all the time. So one time you get yeah. 600 likes and you think you're the man and someone's going to call you tomorrow. Then they change something and then you drop to 70 likes. And I'm like, ah, it's just a game. Yeah, it's a game like everything else. So, yeah. 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 You kind of you kind of have to play it. I mean, you have to experiment with it also. Yeah. And, and don't be frustrated. Yesterday, a friend of mine is here as a photographer. At some point, he was really, really frustrated with the whole Instagram yeah. game because other other photographers who, you know, sort of get more likes and get more important, uh, get more followers. And then in some certain markets, it is a currency. I think, I, I truly believe that galleries, uh, galleries that look for group shows or for new artists, they go on their Instagram and also check, yeah. mm, hey, above 10,000, that's good that's an artist i can use because they have yeah. you know sort of uh, publishing power yeah. um and if you only have 500 they just you know they're not interested and we can't make ourselves free from these thoughts no. too you know it is in a way and it's a currency but but what i'm currently i mean i had this this discussion um with a bunch of people that i mean i know a lot of people from from marketing and from social media yeah. and i've i've um 
I started on Instagram with uh, my personal Alex Diamond profile. Then I did the Helium Cowboy profile. Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of as because we need it for the gallery, and it's always just like. Um, here at Helium Cowboy, we show this person and uh, we love this artist. And it's usually just me. Or in the last year, it was a lot of Melvin posting there too. Yeah. So, you know, sort of who is we? Uh, then I started this podcast a year ago and I thought, mm, I got to go on, on Instagram too. So now I got an account for Helium Talk. And yeah. and some people told me that, you know, sort of who are actually in the know say, it's, it's a lot, you know, yeah. it's a lot, you know. So you're distributing too much on two different channels. And because if it's only you, why don't you just use Helium Cowboy for everything? And so you can make a really colorful uh, Instagram feed that 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 lives off the exhibitions that I'm doing with other artists, that lives off my art, uh, how I'm producing it, because that's the closest I'm to. Yeah. That lives off of, of me and my tractor on the farm, you know, which are, <laughs> which are the, the photos I get the most likes for. They're too, very you know? cool. <laughs> and, in, and in the end, it all bundles and comes to one goal that is making this what I've been building, Helium Cowboy, and the artists that I'm working with, the art I'm representing, yeah. and I love, yeah. you know, and I'm passionate about putting it into one basket, you know, and, 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 and things like this. So that is something that's an experiment. I just can probably have to try. And there will be probably a lot of people who say, Oh, fuck this. Now he's promoting himself even more. But I mean, that's in the end, that's what I'm, you know, sort of making my living off, yeah. you know, sort of this. And, and there will be probably a lot of other people say, I'm oh, a smart guy, you know, sort of, I'm, I, I like to follow him or an artist who would say, that's amazing. You know, now I get likes from, 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 from Yerk because, yeah. you know, he just posted an amazing picture of his tractor. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> but you know, I like to. For, it's a game. Yeah, yeah I know. It, it's a game, and and sometimes when when the game kind of flips and 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 starts to demand how I should do it, you know, ah, if you want more followers, you got to use this, and we put this uh, funny gif in. You can post. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm 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 not gonna do it like this because when I started with MySpace like so many years ago, it was totally free. And then, of course, Facebook yeah. came as a competitor. Then MySpace started to have all these rules and all these commercials because they had to compete with Facebook and so on and so on and so on. And I think you remember as well, before the crisis in 2008, there was mm -hmm. so many platforms. You know, just the other day, I found this old notebook that I had from 2006, 7, 8. I had so many accounts everywhere to post your online stuff. Now all of them are gone because they don't make any money, so nobody's going to do it. But... Sometimes I'm like, what is it that you really like to do? I like to go to the studio, drink some coffee, listen to some jazz music and start to paint. And when you do stuff and when you produce good energy, stuff happens. You know, sometimes it can be that I'm, we have this, this in the new studio that you haven't seen on yet. You have to come by one day. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, the whole facade is only glass. So we have so many people walking by and they're looking in. And at the moment, like I said, I have these 10, 12 paintings that are huge. You know, sometimes when I come in the morning, you can tell like there's, there's all this, you know, when you press your nose against the window, there's all this fat on the window because people, they're staring so much. And this can also be a thing. You know, this can also be a way to promote yourself. It's not so big sure. as Instagram, but you know. Just two weeks ago, there was this woman. She came in and she was like, do you sell those paintings? I was like, yeah, I sell them. They're going to a show in Denver. But what are you talking about? Yeah, I came by. I saw the window, windows and I wanted to pick up a piece. Now she's coming back in two, two weeks to pick up the piece. And this has nothing to do with Instagram or homepage or anything. No. So as long as you just, you know, be risky, go try to go for the, the, the perfect composition, you know, get to the struggle every day. Something will come out of it. You know, so, yeah. so I don't have to post, I, agree, yeah. 
I don't have to post so much on Instagram with all the things that I do because yeah. I think it doesn't matter in the end. It's it's just going to be this dead dead community where it's just like all shiny, flashy, blah blah blah. I did this and I did that. It could be like I just said, the woman walking by the window. She's the one who pays my next two months of rent. <laughs> You know, yeah, I know. I mean, it's yeah. You have to diversify. Yeah. it. definitely. You have to. On one hand, I think you have to consolidate it. I think one good one good thing for people, and I think a lot of artists uh, and, and 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 creators that I know have already done that. You know, sort of gotten rid of Facebook and just yeah. being on Instagram. It's one platform. It's you know because the the amount of time that that I spend on on on. On, on, on pushing stuff on on social media and and I've also been trying the hey if you pay you get more likes and reach and stuff like that and and that is just that's just interesting from a significant amount of money you throw at Facebook yeah. um, before it just I mean if you push an event with like 30 euros yeah. you get like five more people to look at yeah. well not to look at it you get 50,000 people to look at yeah. it according to Facebook <laughs> yeah. but you get like five people who say they're interested yeah. in going to an event and of the five people four of them are from california and from russia yeah. so you know <laughs> and they're gonna come you know <laughs> yeah definitely. so that's it is something so i think you have to kind of you know sort of I, that's one thing you know just to live a healthy life yeah. you know save some time yeah. do important stuff and i think the most important stuff for artists really is to work on their work and that can be in the studio that can be outside you know everybody has to find his own way yeah. um But you know, so sort of, I, I, yeah, I think yeah. one of the the, the keywords as as I'm getting older is distance. You know, like like I said, the last two years, you know, I think I had two group shows, maybe three, uh, because yeah, we had the kid and stuff. But like I said, my kid or our kid is also like like very healthy and very happy, so we sleep a lot, so everything is cool. So I actually do the amount of work that I normally do, but I like to mm -hmm. stay a little bit away because if. You know, for example, I can't stand it when people, they release a print and then they update in a millisecond. Oh, it's already sold out. I can't stand it. Why the hell do we still tease ourselves? Oh, he's selling so many prints. I don't care. Yeah. When I do a print yeah. release, it's not selling out in a few seconds. I still have prints that I made half a year ago, you know, sure. and, 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 and I'm not pushing it in that way. And I'm not asking a big print house to run them for me so I can do it in that way because I think it's not a healthy way to do it because it comes down to one thing and that's the money. And my art is about the art. It's not about the money. It's also about the money. And of course, I like to sell a big $25,000 painting. Sure. But it's not the thing that I'm rushing. You know, I want, for example, I have one painting. I'm looking at it right now and it's hanging in our living room. And it's one of the only paintings left that I produced in Berlin. There's only two left. Everything else is gone from the five years. This painting has been at, it's been six or seven exhibitions all around the world. And the biggest one was one of the years in Miami when it was really good. So I know mm -hmm. there's probably 100,000 people who looked at that painting. Then it makes sense to sell it because it's already done its duty, you know? So if I'm putting up a print release and I update and it's sold out in a millisecond, this is not what it's about because the artists who do that, sorry, They only they only tell what they are really emphasizing. That's the money. It's yeah. it's it's not cool. Of course, it's cool if you make a solo show and it sells out. That's fucking incredible. Of course, of course because yeah. you know you spent sure. a year, maybe two years, to produce it, and now you will get a certain amount of money that can make you produce another show, which is hopefully yeah. even better. But this thing that ah, oh, look at me, look at me. I'm next to a celebrity, and everything sells in in, in a millisecond. This is not yeah. this is not what I'm about. I don't like this this approach to it. So I try to distance myself. 
there's there's also another uh, aspect for the whole uh, creating art um, thing. You can actually relax because not all of the work will be sold immediately, yeah. and some of the pieces will stay with you or with galleries. Yeah. But these days, people have the expectations that oh, it's uh, what what year is it from? Oh, 2017. Oh, that's an old yeah. work. <laughs> One of the reasons why the current exhibition is called "We're Still Here" is also because it's a lot of work that's beautiful, yeah. it's so beautiful yeah. and so important, yeah. and it's still here, and it doesn't matter. And I'm going to show it again yeah. and maybe again. Yeah. Um, you know, so if at some point, you know, so the, some of these things will never be sold, but they have to be shown. Yeah. And and I think it's it's wrong to just buy new stuff, and that leads artists to constantly produce. Yeah. And produce and produce instead of something. What you said about the painting, you've been working on two years, two and a half on, years, two and a half yeah. years on. That's so beautiful because for me, that is how it actually should be. To spend time with the work, yeah. you know, look reconsider, yeah. look at it, you know, live with yeah. it, you know. So, yeah. And and then at some point, I mean, I'm pretty sure that work will will sell in Denver. I don't know if I. If I if alone with the story alone, I mean, if I had money, I'd buy yeah. it now. <laughs> <laughs> if I look at if I go back and I look at the last fifteen years, you know, I think yeah. maybe there is uh, ten available paintings. Some are standing in a gallery in Paris that I will never see again. I don't mind yeah. what you know. I hope yeah. someone puts it on the wall and enjoys yeah. it. Yeah. And and <laughs> so in the end, you know, sometimes there's a painting standing there. Something is in Mexico, uh, whatever. And and this is not the thing. The thing is to of course, try to sell it and make your make your uh, uh, you can pay your, your your living and stuff. But the thing is to go to the studio and produce and and come up with with crazy ideas and and try to approach it differently than you did yesterday. You know, so th this is the thing. You know, money is not the thing. So that whole thing. I, I, sometimes I like to distance myself. You know, because I think are oh, we already sold out? I'm like, oh, stop. It's it's yeah. I, 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 yeah. I really get frustrated yeah. with this because it's not. This is not what the art is about, you know. That's true. All right. <laughs> oh, that was good. You know, I enjoyed talking to you this yeah, morning. Yeah, you too, man. Best of luck for your show in Denver. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Yeah, uh, and I'll see you in all. Yes, board. you are probably coming for the next art fair. Then we can uh, catch a few beers. I might come for the next art fair. I also come whenever Rasmus decides to give me a solo exhibition. Ah, uh, maybe we should put some pressure on him that he should soon. <laughs> I just did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. I know he's interested. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, kind of, he has to find the time. And as I said, this, it's a yeah. risk. It's big yeah. Risk. Good talking to you, man. Yeah, and you.